Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This laptop is literally eight months old and it's running like it's 1995. Anyway, hi everyone and welcome back to the Tuesday Night Podcast Club. I've been on a little summer hiatus and today I'm back and covering a new podcast from the amazing Ian Sterling and Laura Whitmore. Ian and Laura, I'm sure everybody is familiar with, but if you do live under a rock, they are basically Love Island. So Ian's the hilarious voiceover and Laura is the host. He's also a comedian and an actor, but do I like him even more as a person because he's a Liverpool fan? Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. So (laughs) this is a new Spotify original and it is literally hot off the press. It's like five episodes in at the moment. But obviously, because they've got a lot of prior media experience and they are married, so naturally bounce off each other and get along and have that chemistry anyway. And the experts over at Spotify to top it off. It's a great podcast, like from episode one. My favourite subgenre of podcasting is definitely true crime comedy podcasts. Oh, that was a mouthful. True crime comedy podcasts. Which, look, I know it's not for everyone. Some people do think it's disrespectful and... They don't like people making light of a bad situation. But there are some amazing shows out there that do tell stories respectfully to the victims while still keeping it light-hearted and attracting a lot of awareness to cases that sometimes really need the attention. Another network that is my favourite podcasting network, The Obsessed Network, I've just said network about a thousand times, <laughs> is very good at doing this. They walk the line but stay on the right side of it keeping I suppose like if you listen to a lot of true crime like I do it it can like get you a bit down sometimes so it's nice for it to sometimes have a bit of light-heartedness if like you can cope with that and not be like offended by it (laughs) um couldn't find the word then so obviously this is another great pair of comics telling us some true crime stories with their own hilarious commentary along the way and I am actually already just loving it. So every week the alternate host tells a story and the other listens and comments along the way. So in this episode that I'm covering, Laura's telling the story. It's series one, episode three. Let's get in to the filmer and Louise Keith. OG Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's in Thelma and Louise? You watched it. You said that last time we watched it. <laughs> oh, my God. I completely <laughs> forgot. Is he the guy? He's um... a young guy. He's really young in it. Does he eat in it? Brad Pitt always eats in he films. He eats in every film because it makes him sexier. It's the 1st of July, 2009, which I thought was, like, 10 minutes ago, but rudely, apparently, it was 13 years ago, and I feel old. So, it's Lake Charles, Louisiana, and Brian Davis is a 39-year-old insurance salesman. He likes the outdoors, fishing, that sort of thing, and he leads a pretty normal life. 
Now, he's on marriage number three to wife Robin Little, which sounds very expensive to me because weddings are not cheap. She's also been married once before too and they met at work years prior but didn't actually get married until 2008. On this night, it was not Brian's day. There, at the end of the dirt road, next to a seemingly abandoned car, he's found dead, shot four times. The car was up on a jack and lug nuts were removed from a tyre, while a spear was on the ground nearby. So, it sort of looked like Brian might have been changing the tyre before being killed, but then who would have known that he'd be there and would change his tyre at that spot? Or was it a random psychotic attack? Well, let's go back a couple of days earlier. So, Brian loves the fishing, as I've said, and usually hires a boat during the summer, but apparently, uh, apparently it's treat yourself summer, and Brian has decided he's investing in his own this year. So, he and Robin went out to shop around in the local area, and I guess they must live by the water, which, actually, so do I, but I do not know any boat shops in the local area. Can I just say, I'm really happy to be able to bring some fishing puns here because on Love Island this year, there's a fisherman. Not a fisherman, he's a fishmonger. At the time of recording, there is an absolute hero of Love Island. There's Luca Bish. He sells fish. And all he does is give me fishing puns I refuse to scale them down, Laura. I refuse. I'll, I'm going to do them for the halibut. You know what I mean? After a long day of boat shopping, Robin has had enough and Brian reportedly continues on to Beaumont, Texas, about a 90-minute drive from Lake Charles to shop at a dealership there he's heard about and he didn't come home that night. So after 24 hours without word or sign of a husband, Robin files a missing persons report with the local police and his body was found the day after that. At the site of his discovery, Brian's belt had been loosened and both of his shoes were off. Now, I'm not a tyre changer myself, but I don't know if that's like the appropriate dress code for the occasion, but I'm going to say no. However, Brian was known as a bit of a cheater, Peter, and, you know, third marriage and that. Had a knack for pissing off his wives, basically. But even if Brian had been caught in the act by a jealous lover and killed, why was his car on a jack? Or was it loose because he was being searched by someone? Being robbed? Anyway, Brian was known to carry a gun and... Not going to rant on that pedestal today. Which was not found at the scene. Neither was his GPS or his laptop. But he was still wearing a valuable ring, so it suggests it wasn't a robbery gone bad. And the cherry on the cake, because of the horrendous weather, any forensic evidence that might have been recovered from the lug nuts or the jack had been washed away completely. Alright, so we all know they always look at the partner first, so could Robin have done it? Well, she had an alibi from her best mate, Carol Sissy Saltzman, who'd actually been so close to the couple, she'd been living with them the past couple of years and only recently moved out. They were out together running messages all day, but Robin did have a name for the detectives. Fanny Dietz, one of Brian's work colleagues who he was supposedly having an affair with. 
So, in she comes for questioning. So she asks, have you spoken to Fanny Dietz? <laughs> What's so funny? Well, you said Dietz really aggressively, that tickled me. But also, her name's Fanny Dietz. Who is Fanny Dietz? She sounds like a stripper. She says she was my husband's mistress. Oh. So Fanny was considered a person of interest for a period of time, as was a husband who knew about the affair with Brian, and also Robinson Justin, who didn't get on too well with Brian. Eventually, all of them were cleared after investigators looked into the phone records. So the next avenue they went down was the finances of Brian and Robin. Did he owe the wrong person money? Brian had an online poker problem that had become such an issue. He'd gone behind on child support payments to his ex-wives and fell back on the mortgage. But let's not just pull all that on Brian because apparently Robin had the exact same problem. It was even said that she missed the week of Brian to attend the online poker tournament. That's suspicious. So it's Back to the basics, who has the most to gain from Brian being dead? That would be Robin. She owned a life insurance policy on Brian worth over 700 grand. And then the detectives dug even deeper and found out that Robin collected on an insurance payout after the first husband died in a car accident too. We have a black widow on our hands. As the motive got clearer, detectives learned more about the relationship with Robin and her best mate, Sissy. Both women had been sacked from an insurance company they worked at together after Sissy was caught stealing money and Robin failed to snitch. They were legit ride or dies and I want to be angry, but I'm living for the bestie bond. Each woman was interviewed on the 13th of July 2009 and during the separate interrogations, they were caught out in some lies about the whereabouts on the day of Brian's murder. But despite being given the opportunity to be the first to fess up and get a deal, no one gave the other one up. Firing allegedly came about after Sissy was caught stealing money from Union National and Robin failed to speak up about her knowledge of the theft. In fairness, she just didn't rat out her mate. She's a good friend. She's not a grass. I like her. Mm. Now, speaking about their friendship in an interview with CBS, Robin later said, it's the kind of friendship that all people should have. It's the one person that you can call no matter what, and they're there regardless. Detectives theorised that the women staged the flat tyre and Brian was called to go and help. As he knelt to fix the flat, he was shot once and ran for his life, but shot three more times and then died. Detectives believe each woman fired the murder weapon, linking them like a blood pact. If one goes down, they both go down. Five months after the murder of her husband, Robin and her best friend Sissy were arrested for Brian's murder. It wasn't an easy case for the state, though, to win. There was no weapon, no DNA and no witnesses. The trial began in April of 2012 and during the proceedings, the prosecutor actually displayed the fully inflated tyre that Brian drove out to change at the scene that had been staged 
and on August the 26th of 2012, a jury convicted the then 50-year-old Robin Little and Sissy, who was 45 at the time. They both got second-degree murder and were sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Both women maintained their innocence at the sentencing and do still today. Robin insisted that she would continue to fight for her freedom, while Sissy said she would know no peace until the real killer was found. There's actually an online movement for the innocence, so, I don't know, what do you think? Ian thinks they've done it, Laura's not so sure. I am literally obsessed with this show already, and it's only like five episodes in. It's got amazingly funny hosts with natural chemistry and all of the true crime deets. I'll be subscribing, so I get a new app every week, and so should you. I'm giving it a five on the scale for Go Binge Now. Thank you so much for listening to episode 22 of the Tuesday Night Podcast Club. Remember to follow, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts, and I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you.